And this next section of the story, this third section of the story, the older son is introduced. And it's him that we're going to be looking at in this passage uh, today. So Jesus really is, I said it before, the ultimate storyteller. Because he was God in flesh. He knew the hearts of men and women and boys and girls. And the stories or, or the parables that he tells in the Gospels are meant to divide and conquer men and women and children, to cut them open, to lay them bare, to offer hope, yes, and to warn of impending peril. So my prayer is that tonight that Jesus' words will do that once again for each of us. And if you remember, we, the, the verses 1 to 2 uh, of this chapter set the immediate context of Jesus talk, talking into. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear him. That's Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus is speaking to this crowd of sinners and, and listening in are the villains of the Gospel of Luke. The Pharisees, the bad guys really. The religious elites. Now there's nothing worse, is there, than feeling on the outside, looking in. You know, like, like, it's more like, like that, if you picture Scrooge, isn't it? Looking in on the Cratchit family, you know, in, in, the, in the, the Christmas Carol, isn't it? The Disney version is the best, the Mickey Mouse, anyway. Um, but you can see he's looking in at their, their, the warmth of their family meal. There's not much there, but there's love. He's looking in, the outside on the cold, feeling alone realizing there's life and warmth that he hasn't got. And that can be the same for us, can't it, at times? When, when M, my wife, was converted, she, um, she's the only Christian in her family, uh, like extended family, and, and when I met her, she lived with some of the lads I used to coach rugby to when I was in university. And uh, like everyone I met, I invited her to church. And it was the first time that she'd ever been to church, not for like a school concert or a school assembly, and it was the first time that she'd ever met born-again Christians. And she saw, and she says that she saw in the life of the church, that the members there, they had something. They had something that she didn't have. They had a life and a peace and a joy and a hope that she didn't have, but she desperately wanted. And that led her to give her life to Jesus, isn't it? And the older son in this story, he feels left out, doesn't he? He's on the outside looking in. He, he's been out in the fields or wherever it is and working away. And yet he comes close to home and he can smell the prime rib steaks cooking, you know, that, the, the, brief, the brief brisket going on. And he can hear the cheering and the music and the singing. Like the party's in full swing, isn't it? And he feels left out. He's on the outside looking in. And he's bitter and he's angry about it. It feels like he hasn't been invited. That the party should be his. That after all, he's been doing all the hard work, hasn't he? Or so he thinks. It's his hands that are calloused. It's, it's his bones that are sore and aching. He's been working so hard. Maybe you can relate to that feeling. You come to church and you feel like you're on the outside looking in at times. Like no matter how hard you try... No matter how much you pray or do the right thing, you're still on the outside. You, you see the joy and the life in others, and it kind of baffles you, maybe, or angers you. 
Maybe it makes you jealous or bitter. When, you know, um, some, of your, some of your friends or, or someone you know, you know, someone you know in church or whatever, or from a missionary uh, organization, talks about someone they've met who's one of their friends who's, who's asking questions or seeking God, and, and you hear that hope and that joy in their voice as they, as they ask you to maybe pray in this meeting for that person or on a Sunday or whatever it is, and, and rather than rejoicing, you feel jealous or bitter. Why don't they sound like that when they're talking about me? When are they going to pray for me or when are they going to recognize me? And if that does resonate with you, I want you to listen really carefully this evening. The story Jesus is telling is meant to offer hope to sinners and offer a warning to the Pharisees that are listening in. Because the truth is, while it might feel uncomfortable at times, it's actually more than that. It's actually very dangerous to be on the outside of church life. The older son is outside the banquet. That's going on, isn't he? And he refuses to go in. Which we know from Luke 14, the chapter earlier, there's a story that Jesus tells called the power of the great banquet. I'm going to read it to you. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who, who will eat and feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, Oh, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Yet another said, I have just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. So the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servants, go out onto the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. So that story that Jesus tells there in Luke 14, in, in these verses there, where everyone is invited to the feast. Everyone's invited. The expected guests, the religious types, the, they refuse to come in. So the downtrodden from the gutters and the streets are invited in, and they come. To be outside the banquet is a terrible thing, a thing of eternal consequence. We can see that from that story, isn't it? And in the story of the lost sheep earlier in chapter 15, we see that the shepherd, the good shepherd, leaves the 99 out in the wilderness. Do you notice that? So the, the lost sheep is scooped up, isn't he? And he's taken where? To the shepherd's home. He's scooped up and taken home. The other sheep are left out in the wilderness. So the 99 left out in the wilderness, they're not safely at home with the shepherds. And that is not a good place to be, is it? Out in the wilderness. You see that in the Old Testament, that's always a bad thing, to be outside in the wilderness. The truth is that you can grow up in church, having all the promises of God, and still be on the outside. 
In the Old Testament, isn't it? Being on the outside was always bad. Being out of the camp, being excluded. To be put outside the camp was a sign of judgment, in fact. And being outside the blessing and the life of God and being inside the church community, being inside the camp was good. That's where God was. That was a, it was a sign of spiritual life and blessing. But just like in the Old Testament, it's not enough to physically be there. As Paul says in Romans, not all Israel is Israel. You, actually, you, to, you need to actually be part of the covenant community through faith in Christ. It's not just enough to be physically present in church. You need to actually be a Christian. You can't be saved by keeping the law, by working hard, by being good, by obeying your parents. You need to be justified through faith. And not faith in yourself and how good you can be, but faith in Jesus. And the older son refuses to go in, doesn't he? He's put himself on the outside deliberately. But thankfully, the story doesn't end there, does it? The father comes out to him. He leaves the party, even though it's in full swing, and comes to plead with his older son. Here, once again, we looked at it, didn't we, two weeks ago, but we see the heart of God, the heart of the father, that Jesus loves his enemies, that God desires that none should perish. He came to save the self-righteous from themselves, just as much as he came to save the wayward and the wild from themselves. As a dad, I don't have a favourite daughter, I believe it or not. I love them equally, I do, but I do treat them differently. I do treat them differently. Well, at least I try really hard to do that, at least. That might sound funny, but to love them well, I need to love them differently. And I'm not going to name any names because, you know, you, you meet them and don't want any to tell on me. <laughs> um, you know, with, with one of them, I know I need to be more gentle and careful in my discipline. Uh, and they take my displeasure to heart uh, and they doubt my love and my care, uh, just uh, the, the slightest inkling of it. And they kind of hold on to those feelings even, you know, uh, deeply, even though most of the time I get it wrong and go over the top, if I'm honest. But whereas my other daughter, one, one of my other daughters, she needs me, needs me to be more robust, to get through to her. She's, you know, she's quick to forget my displeasure. She's quick and just moves on. But she doesn't listen. So I've got to make her listen, you know. I've got to treat them differently. I love them the same. I have to love them differently. Likewise... God the Father loves us all. And he desires for us to be on the inside of his house and joining in the great banquet, whoever we are. Sometimes, if we've grown up in church or try hard to be good people all our lives, we can kind of resent the grace that God shows to those who have more overt struggles and sins. We can be jealous of people's testimonies and and, and wonder why God is kind to people when uh, he is. The point is that there is love and life and grace for you and, and for your loved ones and the people you care about and know, whoever they are. You and they are invited into the inner life of the family of God. The younger son was welcomed back, wasn't he, with open arms. 
And the father pleads with his elder son to come in out of the cold and to join the party. But the son refuses, doesn't he? And he gets angry. He meets the invitation to join in the party with self-justification, doesn't he? He, he? he wants the father to acknowledge him. He feels left out and yet he refuses to join in. He's cutting his nose off to spite his face, isn't he? All these years I've been slaving for you, he says. You notice that? Slaving for you. And never disobeyed your orders. You know, he begrudges the father. He's been slaving, whereas the younger son longed just to be a slave, didn't he? And yet he was invited in as a son once again. Do you remember two weeks ago? But the son, who should and could come in and join the party, refuses. He is jealous of the grace and love shown to the younger son, and yet still spurns the loving invitation to the father himself. And this is a picture of the Pharisees, who are listening in, in that, to this story, isn't it? who begrudge Jesus' compassion and love to the sinners and the lowly. They were slaves to the law, yet they found no life or grace from it and refused to come to the lawgiver, whom the law points them to, thinking they could earn their place. And so they missed out on the grace that could have been theirs. Like it says in John, they knew the scriptures, but yet they refused to come to Jesus for life. It reminds me of the story of, of Jonah in the Old Testament a little bit. And uh, it makes a great Sunday school story, doesn't it? Or to start with, anyway. Um, with the storm and the fish and the preaching and the repentance of Nineveh. But kind of chapter 4 spoils it a little bit. You know, because Jonah acts like a grumpy, self-righteous, racist git, doesn't he? You can't believe it. He's crossed with God. How dare you have mercy on him? Oh, if I knew you would, I knew you'd forgive him if I told him. And they repented. I can't believe it. He's like Victor Melger, a bit like Nigel in the morning, I expect. You know, it always reminds me of this story. Whenever I read the, 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 this passage, the older son syndrome. Jonah has that older son syndrome. In the parable, he's outraged his father would show mercy to the younger son. He points out the sin of his brother, doesn't he? He compares himself. He wants him to make himself look better. He wants to put him down put his brother down to lift himself up. And that's always a sign of weakness, isn't it, when you put others down to lift yourself up. Weak and afraid people try to control how others are seen. They, they want to be exalted so that they can bring others low. Well, they want to bring others low so they can be exalted, rather. The father responds to that, doesn't he? And the older son accuses his brother and accuses his dad. He says, my son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. It's yours. It's meant to be yours. The elder son refuses to go in. He's missing out on that offer. All the goods, all the food, all the party. He's excluding himself from the joy that could be his. One early church father, a guy called Peter Chrysol... Chrysol I struggled with this last time, didn't I? His name's Peter. He's a good guy. Anyway, he says, uh, Chris Elodgus, or something like that. Anyway, he says, all that I have is yours. That's the verse he quotes. He says, how is this? The law, the prophets, the temple, priesthood, sacrifices, kingdom, and the gifts are for you, Pharisees. This is the greatest gift of all, that Christ was born. 
the promises of the gospel belong to the Pharisees. The promises of the gospel belong to everyone who grew up in church. It's for you. It's for your loved ones. It's for you. The banquet should also be yours. It should be theirs. But the older son, like the older son, we're on the outside looking in. But it's for you. It's for them. We're invited. The life, the peace, the hope, the grace, they're all for you. And for them, don't begrudge what God has done for others all while missing out what God has for you. And it's a bit like when a toddler, my kids do this, unfortunately, you know, sees the sandwich their mum has made for their sibling and screams and cries and wails because they want one. They want that one. All the while rejecting the sandwich their mum has made them and is holding out for them and prepared for them. As a parent, maybe you can relate, you want to put yourself in the face at that point, don't you? You know? It's maddening, isn't it? But that's what we're like. If you feel on the outside in church, it's not because you're not invited or not welcome. It's because you won't receive the invitation that God lays out for you. He claims he couldn't even have a goat with his mates, but he won't come and eat the fattened calf with his brothers, and with his brother and father. And we can see it every week in church, can't we, that this same thing, people who refuse God's invitation. Maybe you can think of them right now. You sit in some of these seats who cut their nose off to spite their face, who, who starve themselves of God's grace because they, won't, they don't, because they want God to do things their way. They want their self-imposed slavery to count for something. That's the heart of it. That's why the Pharisees hated Jesus, not because they, they didn't think he was, the, he was the Savior. They just didn't want a Savior. They wanted to save themselves deep down. But you see, God loves you. And he loves those people you can think of. Jesus died for them. And today he is inviting you and them to join the banquet. We don't have to stay on the outside. We don't have to feel isolated and cut off in church. To feel unwelcome and jealous, bitter and an outcast. There is spiritual life for us. But it's found in Jesus. And his work on the cross. Not in our own righteousness. So don't stand on the outside with your, your face pressed against the glass, yearning to belong, but burning with jealous rage. We're called to humble ourselves that God might lift us up. We have to let go of our good works and lean on Christ's work. That's the hard bit. But it's a necessary bit. You're invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. The family banquet of God. To an eternity with the Father. You don't need to miss out. You don't need to be a, a, a Scrooge or a party pooper. But you can receive the grace of God in Jesus. The invite has your name on it. It's, it's handwritten for you. It's tailored to you. If you only accept God's fatherly pleading to come on inside. Christians, don't miss out on the grace that God has for you by comparing and contrasting the grace that God gives others. He loves you equally, even if that fatherly, loves look, fatherly love looks different. You are a child of God. You belong here. You do not have to doubt it. 
You know, we need to pray for the people who sit alongside us in church nearly every week, who we know are on the outside, who we, we know are slaves to religion and aren't on the inside, who won't be with us in that great banquet, Feast of the Lamb. We need to pray for our children and our grandchildren who grew up in church and Sunday school, who once knew the promises of God, who could recite them and sing them, but have refused to come in to the family of God. But the father pleads with the older son to join the party. And likewise, Jesus is still pleading, still moving and stirring the conscience of those who should know better, who are on the outside looking in. So don't despair, don't give up. Keep praying Keep urging them to accept the invitation that Jesus has laid before them. As we celebrate Easter, we're reminded of the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Easter changes everything for all of us. Jesus is our hope. And it doesn't matter how we turned our back on the Father, whether we've lived like the younger son, or whether we've been good person he's been here the whole time but we've refused to come in and experience and share in the life of God the father pleads for us to come home and join him there's still hope for you there's hope for the people that we love and care for